Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Keeping dogs properly and responsibly. That is what we're trying to do. We can't do it anymore. I was so angry listening to him. A hundred euro is all we'll get, basically, for our baby. Between the job and Christmas, you know, you could slip in a bank holiday in, you know, late November, early December. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Right, I haven't done the Dunkettle thing yet. I didn't go down there yesterday. I let nature take its course. Didn't need me adding to whatever happened. It seems to have gone well yesterday, but this morning, people not too happy that there are speed vans out. There's a touch of fish in a barrel about it when you bring in a brand new 30 kilometer an hour uh, speed limit which is basically 20 miles an hour people watching their speed and watching the road layout at the same time it just sounds like a recipe for accidents (laughs) Ken Parrott's been down there keeping an eye on this morning Ken morning to you has it gone well it has gone really well, PJ, and I think a lot of the reason for the speed balance, just to start there, is there's still people working there, there's still guys do, doing their job, and the only the only real way you'll get people to reduce their speed is by putting one of those vans in place. Sometimes they put them there more as a deterrent than, as, as you said, fish in a barrel, but definitely there's guys walking around, there's a lot of staff there okay. this morning because they have to be there. And you know what, these guys, they have a job to do as well, we're all entitled work in a safe environment and that's the only thing that's going to slow people down. Ken, I, want to t- I, need, I need to tidy up that line. Take it back there, Rich. See if we can tidy that up. It's a mucky line down to Ken. Let's go to Finbar because Finbar, you drove through it. I'll come back to Ken. You drove, th- you drove through this at the weekend, Finbar. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. How are things? How are yeah, you, I, I drove through it again this morning. It's um, it's all we've ever dreamed of, really. Really? To be honest. Really? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Tell it's, me about why, um, it's, why it's so lovely. <laughs> because there's no stopping. There's going to be no build-up of traffic. You know you're just going to go and you're going to get there. It's right. it's brilliant. When and did I, you do I've it? Spent, I, I came from the Glamour side yesterday, <coughs> heading towards the tunnel. And like, you drive like you're driving um, like on top of the interchange, like you're flying over it. But then like, there's a big, gentle sweeping left that brings you down into the tunnel Okay. and then this morning going to Little Island uh, going to work at India Verde Early Hours and then uh, heading back towards the tunnel from Little Island in about quarter to eight nice. and it's 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 brilliant and like, when they have that lane open from like Little Island to the tunnel like you know when all the cones are gone there mm. it's going to be better again you know just you just keep going and So there brilliant. are no lights now from where to where? Uh, anywhere Oh no traffic lights at all. <laughs> None. They're all gone. So even when we long time driving out of the tunnel, heading for Dublin or heading for Waterford or heading for the city, there was a set of lights that they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, because like, if you're heading east, you go down under the motorway, and you're in the right lanes. Then like, the right hand side lanes to head towards um, the the motorway. Okay. To head to Dublin, you know, and then coming from Little Island side. Uh, you stay in the left lane to go to the tunnel, <clears throat> okay. and the tunnel or the motorway, and it, it kind of it swoops you onto the motorway, and you don't stay in the right lanes. Then if you're heading towards town, 
have you? I have you. No, you were driving. Uh, you admit you're driving there in the early hours of the morning. I, I wonder what it'll be like at rush hour. It, it'll be better. It, it'll just be more cars going. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It'll just be more cars moving. Right. And that's the way it should be. Movement is movement is, is king. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Once everything is moving, everything is great. Like, yeah. I'm, 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 like, like, uh, I'm uh, thinking in terms of, is this Cork's Red Cow roundabout? No. Not at all. Not at all. No, no. It's, it's far more free flow. It, it, it's, it's going to be brilliant. Like, I spent years coming back from Kinsale in the afternoon on a collection. And I can remember hey, coming from the airport roundabout to Little Island, whether yeah. I went towards the tunnel or through town, it took over two hours. Yes, yes. Uh, and in the morning, getting from Little Island to, say, St. Finbar's Hospital, no matter what way you go, it would take you nearly an hour. So you need three hours a day because of the tunnel. Right. That's all gone. I have to say, I remember you know? when, when we had to start going down to Little Island to collect parcels at the unpost down there I began to think what brain of Britain thought of that and dragging us I through all that above my pay grade I know that fella I know that my boy you're only you're only, you're only a humble postman and, and good and, but no what I was saying is like you're talking about for me it was taking an hour sometimes to get from Douglas to Little Island to pick up a parcel that won't happen anymore no you, you won't hit, see a light like you could you could theoretically drive from McCroom to Belfast without hitting a traffic light. Get away. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's, some endo- that's some endorsement. All right, Finbar, drive safe, man. Drive safe. Thanks a million. That's our postman, Finbar, who loves it. Now, Ken, he has had a chance to drive it all the weekend. Thanks for getting to a cleaner line for me. Ken Perrett's back. It has gone well at rush hour. It definitely has, PJ, and things are looking good there. As Finbar said, the lights being turned off, that's going to be a huge, huge time factor, and it will make things an awful lot easier. I'll be interested to see how it goes this evening, that usual spot coming into the tunnel from the Matten side, that will block up, so I'll be really interested to see how that pairs up during drive time today. But this morning was great. I went out there nice and early. Things were moving really well. The Dublin Road is usually that really busy spot, and Monday mornings can be tricky when the weather is a bit bad like it was this morning. You'd expect it to be heavier. Now, I know all the kids are off school so that makes it lighter but no no problems at mm-hmm. all you would say one or two sets of lights if there was light but there wasn't so it wasn't an issue yeah because as you and I know Ken you do it long enough and Wayne when he's in the plane has always pointed it out that 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 roundabout for years has been a pinch point the slightest really thing has. going wrong and the whole city is backed up do you think yeah, this will solve it there was still an issue this morning with an overhyped vehicle going into the tunnel. That was around 7 o'clock and they got it cleared. It was no problems, didn't cause any delays. The only one that will slow you down, as you mentioned, is the reduced speed limit. I think coming in from the Glountown side, it just comes down to one lane as you're using the flyover over the Dunkettle roundabout. That will slow you down. And I wish they'd rename the Glanmire roundabout because that's also a bugbear of mine. Because the one at the end of the Tivoli Jewel carriageway, that's called the Dunkettle roundabout. Then the other one is called the Dunkettle Interchange. Try and explain that when you can, but if they could give it a, a better name, it would definitely make my life an awful lot easier. That's a good point, actually. The Dunkettle Roundabout is the one at the end of the dual carriageway. Yeah. Always has been. Yeah. <laughs> can they just call that the PJ Coogan Roundabout? You don't want Ken, so it, it, you, you, you think you'd agree with, with Finbar? Like, give us a couple of days to get used to this, and it'll be lovely. Can I, can I sound a bit ageist at the moment? Where we'll see problems is, is the older generation who've been driving it for a long time, who just takes a couple of minutes to get their bearings, to realise that they're in the right lane. I even saw this morning there was an elderly couple ahead of me. They were slowing down, trying to get in the right lane. They were coming in from, we'll say, the Middleton side. They wanted to go straight ahead. They were in the, if they stayed where they were, they would have ended up coming into the tunnel. So they had to turn right. And it just took a couple of minutes. So a little bit of patience is okay. all that's needed. 
get in lane early and just be, be conscious of other people. That's the that's the key out there. Let them in, let them out. It's no big deal. You get through it much much faster. Something I'm also conscious of is people, Ken, who are coming to Cork as visitors because this new layout won't be in sat navs yet. It might be on Google Maps, but it won't be on sat navs yet. Great point, but it's really really well signposted. Um, so just follow that. But yeah, it is something I haven't thought of, actually. Yeah, that is true. It won't be on Satnams. But they, you know what? I think they're quick enough. And the guys at Dunkettle, whoever's behind the whole operation of it, the media of it, they've been doing a great job because Good. everyone has kept up to date on what's going on. So hopefully they get that sorted fast enough as well. Okay, Ken, very positive, very positive. And like you said, the, the situation we're having the speed vans there, I thought initially it was a bit of a shoot, shooting fish in a barrel, but you're saying it's, it's safety because there are still people working. I really would think that from, from now anyway. If, if they're back in a couple of weeks doing it, then I'd be giving out. But right now, I think it's just it's a bit of caution that's needed. So hopefully everybody can you know, do their job safely. All right. Good man. Thank you. Ken Parrott uh, from Course 96 FM Street Fleet. And Finbar, postman, up and down to Little Island all the time, who says that it will be life changer, a game changer to get through that roundabout nice. Now, the, the speed limit is fairly tight. It's 30 kilometres per hour, which is 20 miles per hour, which is slow. Just have to get used to it. Jer, though, from Glanmire Notice Board, thinks it's very dangerous. At one point, all three lanes merge into one. I wouldn't fancy being the small car in the middle of two trucks coming in from East Cork or from Dublin. Today, there's a huge increase in the traffic coming through Sallybrook from the Dublin Road, avoiding the interchange. They're headed for the north side. The whole idea when the new road was opened back ago was to reduce traffic through Glenmire. It now seems we are doomed. Oh, what you're suggesting, Jer, is that because of the confusion over the new road? Of course, if you're going through to Dublin, if you whip down through Glenmire there, you'll eventually get onto the motorway at the other end of Glenmire. You wouldn't want that to be happening, though, would you? Thank you, Jer. The lights are still there as you're coming from the tunnel to the Dublin road. Just came through it ten minutes ago. Uh, Another... Is this also from Jar? Peak time, 8 o'clock. I drove from Glenmire via the Dublin Road towards the airport. I couldn't believe how straightforward it was. It's another Jar. Yes, there were a few swapping of lanes, but no queue and no stopping. I can see why the speed vans are there. It encouraged people to slow down. At the moment, there's an effortless merge of the two roads with people giving way. If people slow down and continue like today, happy days. 20 minutes from Glenmire to the airport. How bad. Okay. Uh, hi, PJ. I went through Dunkettle yesterday. The speed vans were there as well. Give that guy Finbar a job on the radio. His voice is lovely. That's from T in Goleen. All right. <laughs> I'll tell him for you. He's probably listening in the van. Thank you. 0818969696. It's one wheel monitor. As Kent said, look, the speed vans, it's not a pretty thing to see on a Monday morning when you're already negotiating a new road layout and wondering, am I in the right place at the right time? And also having to watch the speed limit. But it's for safety because there were still lots of people working down there and they've done great work. It has been a long time in coming, this new interchange of ours. But anyone calling us this morning says it certainly seems to be working well. I won't have an opportunity to check it out. Um, until maybe later. Might, might have a chance to do it later today. And if I do, I will report back to you on what I find. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM.
few people inclined to give out to me here about uh, mentioning the speed vans down at Dunkettle. But here's this one says, how many listeners have actually gotten a speeding fine at Dunkettle? Zero is the answer. Take from that what you will. It's about reducing speeds for the inevitable fender benders. No doubt about that. And Ken makes the point, you still need to be very careful of the people who are working down there. It's just when you're bringing in a new speed limit that is a very slow speed limit of 30 kilometers. That's only 20 miles per hour. You have to take that into account as well as taking in a new road layout into account. And a lapse in concentration could land you with a fine and penalty points, but but there you go. Uh, okay, where are we going? Michael Moriarty was on. He says, we drove through that junction at quarter to eight last night and at 11, half 11 on route to Denville and back. Uh, we saw two speed vans both going and returning, but didn't see any signs indicating a speed limit. My very my, my wife keeps a very sharp lookout for speed signs. She did not notice signs indicating 30 kilometers per hour. That's from Michael. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we have talked many times on this program about young people involved in crime. Teenagers involved in all sorts of crime, from car theft to drugs to assaults to all sorts of crime. And there are many people who believe that if we can't discipline a youngster because of their age, that perhaps we could discipline the parents. There's for and against that, according to the experts. But there's a new piece of legislation now also before the Dáil called the Criminal Justice Engagement of Children in Criminal Activity Bill of 2023, which is a big, long name for something... Quite simple. It's a five-year prison sentence for anyone grooming children into a life of crime. Sally Hanlon of Support After Crime Services. There are people out there among us, Sally, who've seen it all or pretty much seen it all. You're one of them. You've been a little bit critical of this bill. Good morning. I'm Good morning, PJ. Mm. I'm not exactly critical of the bill, okay. but I don't know how the bill will work. Okay, okay. okay. Outline what's in it for people who mightn't be familiar. Well, it's that if uh, parents, somebody has to be held accountable and responsibility, responsible for their children's behaviour. And if that be in crime or if it's in a gang or if it's individuals who are going out and doing crime, somebody must be accountable. Mm-hmm. They can't just be left roam free. So in the bill, it says that anybody who is caught or convicted of grooming young children for crime can be uh, jailed for up to five years. But how do you prove that? Because you're not going to get the children to give evidence against those who are grooming them. Yeah. Be they parents or be their leaders that are doing it, they won't because they'll be freed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just, like we're still talking about children. Yeah. Now, you have children coming up to 18, 17, still deemed a child, Turned 18, deemed an adult. Mm. 
And I suppose I think there's a very little gap of where knowledge and common sense and responsibility would come in between 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. If it's later 17s and very early 18s, you know, how do you punish them the same? Where's the border? Where's the the border? Where's the border? border? You you say that you've, you've... Sorry, Sally. You say you've seen children as young as 14 responsible for assaults and being groomed into that kind of behaviour by older people. I have said I have seen children as young as 14 working in groups. Now, I don't know if I could refer to them as a gang, but a group of youngsters getting together going out with the intention, with a weapon, be it a hurley or a stick, and targeting vulnerable, alone young people. Yeah. Uh, one who was left with a fractured jaw, but would would be hesitant in going into court to give evidence against them. Yeah. Because then they re-identified themselves to them. Yeah. You know? So it's complex, PJ, um, but I still would be putting the onus back on the parents. We all have children, Mm. thank God. Um, But as they grew up, you had to monitor them. You had to know where they were. You had to know who they were with and what they were doing Mm. in as much as is possible. You know, they all could fib a lie. We probably all did at times scooted off somewhere where we shouldn't. But at the end of the day, if you see your child coming in with expensive new gear, clothes or shoes or whatever, you have to ask the question, where did you get the money for them? Yeah. Because they'll be they'll be groomed into lured into committing crime and the glamour of what they receive will entice them. Mm-hmm. But once they're in, they can't get out. Yeah. And that's the sad part. Because they know too much. It's often said here, Sally, when youngsters are involved in crime and I speak of in the city centre and retail units or like you yeah. said, people being beaten up by youngsters or people youngsters stealing cars and whatever. That if we can't do anything to to them, if the legal system doesn't allow us to punish them because of their age, punish their parents. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, I'm saying make them responsible. They're their children. They brought them into the world. They've, there's a knownness on a parent to rear the child to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. And if they can't do it, seek help to do it. But yeah. just don't leave them off. To do what they want when they want and hurt others. Yeah, yeah. You said children get you know, involved. It, it's sad. It's sad, PJ. It is desperately sad. It breaks my heart. Desperately sad. You and know, when, when you hear the retailers from around town saying that the the the, the people the, the youngsters going around they're only fourteen and fifteen. Like, where do they learn that? And sometimes down as far as twelve. Twelve. Where did they learn that? Who taught them that? They learn it if they get into the wrong company. Yeah. And it's a bit of crack. Got away with it. Yeah. You know. 
Nobody can touch us. We're too young. Yes. You know, the old thing. There's no place to put us anywhere. Yes. You know, so, like, that that behavior is learned. I would certainly hope not from home. Yes. But if you were in with this bowl gang, to use a very polite word, uh, who are doing this, it's almost wanting to be part of like a badge of honor. Mm. Look what I did. Yes. And now I'm in with the the big heads in this. Yes. Yes. And it's so stupid. But again, I still go back that the parents should be held responsible. Yes. Yes. Like back in the day, PJ, and I, I'm, I must confirm it today, when restorative justice was in place, mm. And where the young offender would be brought in with his parents or guardian and sit in front of his victims. And I'm using the word his because those hers as well. Yeah. Um, and admit what they had done and show some remorse. But even in that, they're accountable because they know now they're known for what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so I, it was a wonderful program. Uh, we used to do it, accompany victims or represented or represent victims at those conferences mm. or start cautions, and really, it, it, it they were beneficial. But I I don't I know there was some issue. Now the youngster must be willing. <laughs> this is the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. To sit in on those. They can't be forced. Yes. Which again is wrong. Your message to parents though, Sally, I think very clearly is if your 14 year old is yes. stuck in this and gets in yes. trouble, yes. look at yourself first. And do everything in your power to, to remove them yeah. from that type of behaviour. You see, you have a lot of youngsters pulling out of school early, dodging school, being around town, and nobody seems to care. Yeah. I mean, I think our streets are gone to hell. I don't like to walk over town anymore right. because you have the druggies, the homeless, and I can't blame the homeless, but it's everywhere. People coming up looking for money, looking for a cigarette. Like, it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And you go in and out of the court, and the same individuals are on the co- in the court. Mm-hmm. Be it Mondays or Wednesdays or whatever areas that they're, you know, that the courts are covering on those days. But they don't give a damn. They're laughing and joking about the whole thing. Yes. What solicitor did you get? Big laugh then, whoever they got, you know. Um, It's just not taken seriously. And if we don't take it seriously, we're going to have more problems. Sally, you're doing this a long time. Do I sense some despondency in you at this point? (sighs) 
No, I'm not. I love what I do, PJ. And I love what I do when I'm helping somebody who's in need of help and who's vulnerable as a victim of crime or their family are affected by crime. I love that aspect of it. Mm. And we meet the nicest of people at that time. But I'm despondent with how do we stop this behavior? What group of people, including the parents, must be rounded up and have a round table conference, if we like to call it that, and say, we have to intervene here. Yeah. Like we were talking to a lovely young man uh, walking home from school, school uniform. He's confronted by a group of between 12 and 14. His own age, I suppose, really. Mm. And they laid in timid hurlies. Good God. Fracturing both jaws, putting all his teeth out of line. And he's absolutely terrified. Why did they t- do that? Or do they, do you know? He couldn't. I don't know. Was he different? Was he, you know, in his school uniform? Was he deemed to be not their type? I don't know why they do it. And God help us, he doesn't know why they did it either. Yeah. Or his parents. You know, and the consequences for him are fear. Why me? Why did they pick on me? Why did I look different? You know, so it, it's it's just, I don't know what the opinion is out there, but I'm not despondent with the work I do. I'm despondent with how we cannot combined do something to prevent such incidents happened. The guards are doing their level best. They're down in numbers. We Mm. don't have the guards that we used to have. They're also relatively powerless around these youngsters too. Oh, sure, powerless, yeah. So I know one part of that bill is that if the parent or the groomer was meant, was caught uh, and identified, um, that the, the the child, I should refer to him as a child, uh, would be forced to give evidence against them. No way on earth would it happen. Yes. Not a hope in hell. Yeah. Which you know because again, why would they? Yeah. Which means that 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 law is useless before it's even passed. Well, it's yes. To me, it needs. You see, I wish when they're making laws. I'm going through all that. That they're not looking at the reality on the ground. Walk the ground. Talk to the locals. Talk to victims of crime. Talk to organizations such as ours. And get the feeling for the real happening. Sometimes it's lovely to introduce a bill of crime. But it doesn't work. The paper is written. You know, but it's it's been done. It's been seen to be done. Yes. Yes. What do you think yourself, Peter? You know what, Sally? I I have always thought if a 14-year-old is out committing crime, then I would look at the parents and say, well, what the hell were you doing to prevent that? 
and mm-hmm. you are now going to be held responsible for the damage they did. There's that side. Yes. And then I've spoken to people who study, and I'm sure you know what they are, ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Right. And, and, and I, I get a sense from that side of the house that punishing the parents could be counterproductive. So I'm caught somewhere in between the two. I know. And then you have, unfortunately, but real, in today's world, a lot of one-parent families mm. who uh, are not able to, if they have three or four more children, control their child because the child may have issues over dad being gone or mom being gone and all of that and just being the man of the house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and providing. Now, if the children are going out and robbing and stealing and doing drugs and getting money for it and bringing back food into the house, there still has the question to be asked where to get the money. Yeah. And if you're willing to accept you got it from drugs, well, you got it from crime, then it should be stopped. And there are responsible parents out there whose children are just out of control. Yes. Yes. And won't abide. Yeah. It's a sad, sad situation, Sally. So oh, much my God. So is. much of it out there. It is. It's so much of it. And I mean, back in the day, when this started out and children were being used, you know, the small little fella would be put in the window when right. a burglary was being done. Right. And he'd make his way and open the door. Now, I haven't heard of any of that lately. But, like, I, I could go back 40 years and there was a few known young criminals <laughs> around who got involved in crime. They made it their lifetime, but they continued to make it their career. Yeah. And it got more serious and serious. Yeah. But nothing changed for them, and nobody changed them. The criminal justice system didn't change them. Yeah. You know, and there was no fear of going to court. That's the thing. No fear. And like you said, inside in the district court, I saw them myself in my reporting days, Inside the district court, laughing and joking because they know there's nothing yeah. to be done to them. All laughing and joking, yeah. yeah. Sally, we'll leave it there. Always a pleasure. Uh, Sally Hanlon of Support After Crime Services. You can get her or her team. Uh, if you've been a victim of crime, Sally will guide you through everything. Uh, 4320 That's an O21 number. 4320 there's the question Um, if a 14 year old or a 15 year old is involved in crime they're robbing from shops if they're assaulting people if your youngster arrives in as Sally says with a 200 euro pair of runners that you know they didn't have the money for it's your responsibility to ask where did they get them where did they get the money and if you're not asking that question Sally would contend you're not doing your job properly as a parent. And how much responsibility most parents take in 2023 for the behaviour of their children on the streets of Cork.
That's her view. She's doing this a long, long time. 0818 96 96 96. Do you think parents are to blame? If, if a 14-year-old is causing havoc in your neighbourhood or any neighbourhood, or a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old is causing havoc in your neighbourhood, how much responsibility should their parents take? And if we can't punish them... And here's the big question. If we can't punish 14-year-old Sean, can we punish 14-year-old Sean's parents for the damage that Sean has done? Do you think if a teenager commits a crime that they can't be punished for because of their age, that their parent should be punished instead? There are those who argue for it and those who argue against it couple of messages. There are children younger than 14 robbing on behalf of their families. Happens in my local area. The shops are tormented from them. Kevin says, there's no silver bullet fixes, unfortunately. All I keep thinking about is the callers you've had on who were afraid of their kids. It's not, and never has been, one size fits all. The government needs to take responsibility here. There should be more places like Oberstown around the country. If a young fella sees his friend taken in, it might be a deterrent, says John. And Mary, parents at their wit's end, what can a parent do? My son comes from a good family. I've tried to get him assessed. My son is involved in criminality and drugs. We have been at our wit's end and I've been broken for the past five years over my son. What is a parent supposed to do? That is the other side of it. I was driving out of town on Friday. Uh, it would have been around the one o'clock mark, maybe one or ten past one as I was driving out Anglesey Street and there outside City Hall was a huge crowd. An enormous crowd. Bigger than I think anybody expected as a turnout in support of the library workers who'd been subjected to some nastiness, to say the very least over the last few months. Uh, protests about books and people videoing them and tearing books up in front of them and intimidating them as they go about their daily work. There was a tiny little snotting of a counter-protest that no one really cared about outside the library. That got nowhere. But that Katie O'Keefe was at the protest for the newsroom. And I'll talk to her in just a sec. But here's just some of the sense of, of that protest, which, as I said, was far bigger than I expected to be by the time it got to City Hall. We are seeking for the council to do more to protect their members. It's clear that the risk assessments aren't enough because these protests and the intimidation and harassment that staff are facing are continuing. They're ongoing and they're continuing. We have advised staff that where they feel they're unsafe in their workplace to walk away to a safe and secure location. That's underpinning their obligations to themselves under health and safety legislation. Well, look, it's important that we show solidarity with the staff of the Cork City Library who are doing a job as public servants, delivering a service to the people of Cork, uh, respecting the rights of people to different viewpoints. We live in a democratic society, but in no way can we condone the behaviour towards the City Library staff and, and what today is an act of solidarity. Cork City Library is a very valued member of the interagency and I suppose um, we... we we're here as allies. Uh, we're also here to say it's great to see a public service valuing all communities, and that's what they do. Um, and and to stand in solidarity with them because you know everybody deserves a safe workspace, um, and 
they haven't had that for six months. Pretty harmless social institution, and it just kind of shows how disconnected they are from people that they want to attack workers and, you know, of all people, library workers. Like it's Katie, I was surprised by the turnout. Um, were you? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Uh, yeah, I was actually very surprised. Um, around 500 people gathered on the Grand Parade last Friday at around midday. Mm. Um, so they were there in solidarity with library workers who've recently been subjected to intimidation, harassment um, regarding the LGBTQ plus reading material inside the library. Mm. Um, and w- with the gathering, I noticed a lot of people who were just in town on Friday were kind of going, oh, what's happening? And then when they found out, they joined the protest because they were like, yeah, I agree with this. Yeah. yeah. The atmosphere was, I, th- I think a lot of people are very angry at what the library workers are being put through. Yeah, so the atmosphere, the resounding message of the day is hate speech is not free speech. To just explain, people are entering the library and recording the staff while ripping up LGBTQ plus books and some are even going far enough as to call the staff paedophiles. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a horrible place to be going into work at the moment. It's it's not a nice place. And a library, everyone should think of a library as a nice place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the Forza reps told me the workers and their union reps have tried to engage with management, but the response is non-existent at the moment. The calls are for greater interaction with Gardaí, as well as the need for new bylaws to be introduced to ban troublemakers. But however, they have not yet actually made formal complaints to the Gardaí about the attacks. Mm, you'd wonder why that is, did you ask? Well, uh, to be honest, I couldn't talk to a library worker on Friday because they're so afraid to be recognised or noticed to get the attack, get attacked again. They didn't speak to me. Oh my goodness me. Oh, my goodness me. So they're now so scared that they won't even talk to a reporter? No, and radio thought, like, their face wasn't going to be shown, but you can understand if this abuse is happening, like... Yeah. Well, I, I, I did get a message over the weekend that I could expect visitors to our door here at 96FM from the so-called other side. Let them come. I couldn't give a toss, but 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 they don't they don't they don't intimidate me. But these people are so scared they won't even speak to the press. That that's 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 true. And the union, like I know that union proceedings, Katie, mean that they have to make a formal approach to the union to take action on their behalf. Have they done that? Yeah. So I, as far as I'm aware, on Friday after the the rally, there was something handed in, but they are in talks with the management of City Hall at the moment so hopefully we can get a resolve to this Yeah, there was no th- Is there security on the front door of the library on a regular basis or what's the story? Um, I'm actually not too sure about that uh, living in the county myself yeah. so I wouldn't be in the city often but it was closed on Friday due to the protest Yeah, yeah, okay Alright, leave it there, Katie O'Keefe of the Course 96 FM newsroom. Thank you for that. You attended that protest on Friday. Surprisingly large turnout. Pleasantly surprisingly large turnout. And she said a lot of people just were in town as normal and saw this gathering and said, what's that about? And the minute they were told, they joined it. Because, and I, that's quite shocking to be told that library workers will not speak to the media because they're so terrified of these characters who've now been going in and out for six months.
making a complete show of themselves, terrorising the people inside in the library. I said to one of them a few months ago, I said, your problem, if you have a problem with the placement of a book in the library, you're entitled to have that problem. If you object to the placement of a book in the library, you're entitled to that objection. What you're not entitled to do is go up to the counter and start filming and terrorising a person who had nothing whatsoever to do with putting that book in the library. The decision was made above their heads and go to the people who made the decision. I'd love to talk to you if you were at that protest on Friday. Children being groomed into a life of crime. It's the parents' full responsibility. I was accosted by an eight-year-old. It was a scary situation. I didn't know how to react because I don't want to get into trouble myself. There's a thing. If you're accosted by an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, you can't lay a hand on them because they're more protected than you are under the law. Thank you for that. John says this isn't about the library. This isn't about anti-LGBT, but about protecting the innocence of children. There should always be a right to peaceful protest. And there is, John, always has been a right to peaceful protest and hopefully always will be a right to peaceful protest. God, it's manky out there now this morning. It really is horrible. Grotty. Not the kind of thing you expect at all on the 10th of July. Although someone was saying to me um, that the summer is all different. It isn't really. It was around last year, maybe in 2020 and 2021, it was the second half of July that those heat waves arrived. Remember one arriving maybe the 18th or 19th of July and the same the following year. So we have a few days more, although this looks like it's stuck with us for a few days more, this grot, this muck. And when you think about two hours flight south of us or two and a half hours flight south of us, there's a heat wave warning in Spain. A little bit of that warmth would go down well here now, but we'll get it. I have no doubt in my mind we will get some of it. Um... Probably not 45 degrees or anything like it, but summer will be back. Summer will be back, my friends. I, I promise you that. Don't know when, but it will. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. And please, by the way, do not even trouble me with this. You know what? I hate... This is one thing that people will say to you, right? And it's a typical Irish response to, to crap weather. You know, there's no such thing as bad weather, just the wrong clothes. Will you go way out of that? It's July. We're supposed to be wearing shorts and t-shirts and sandals, not coats and jumpers. Anyway, to West Cork we go. And still some stuff coming in on the library protest. Um, I think people slightly missing the point of the protest or the protestors and what they're at. But I'll come back to those comments nonetheless. West Cork TD Christopher O'Sullivan joins me. Christopher, where is this playground and how long has this sewage been seemingly flowing through it? Good morning. Hey, PJ, how are you? Good, good, sir. Where is it? So, it's Shannon Vale. So, Shannon Vale is a lovely village just on the outskirts of Clannacilty, obviously, here in, in West Cork. Yeah. Um, picturesque village. There's this beautiful river, the River Argadine, which would be very well known to it. it eventually ends up in Timberleague. The River Argadine meanders its way through it. It's it's one of those picture postcard villages. 
And on the banks of the Argadine, right in the middle of the village, um, there's the uh, Shannon Vale Park. It's the, it's the village park, the park where um, I even remember myself as a kid uh, going to play. We used to jump into the Argadine off the banks there. But it is the, for, for any family that grew up in, in Shannon Vale, uh, the village park was where they went to play, uh, is where they went to uh, gather. It was the only public space available to them. But unfortunately for the last, and speaking to locals there over the weekend, just wanted to get my head around again how long this has been going on for. For the last 20 years, the village park has been out of bounds. There's big high fencing has been erected around it by uh, Cork County Council. 20 it's, it's, years, it's Christopher? It's, 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 the issue has gone on 20 years. I don't know exactly how long the fencing has been up, but this, this issue has been going on for, for 20 years, according to, to locals there. Um, and the issue is, and, and it's, it's uh, kind of, if, if any of your listeners are just after their breakfast, maybe <laughs> they, they now might not be a good time to listen, but you have a situation where there's a, an ancient old septic tank which would have dealt with the wastewater treatment in the village. Um, that is, it, it's full, it's, it's defunct, it doesn't work anymore. So now you have a situation where inside in the children's at the playground you have this black um, uh, sewage um, that absolutely it includes excrement coming up through the surface. It pools in the playground, and there, and it it just creates the stench as well as being oh visibly disgusting. So it's been it's been out of bones, and and um, I really feel for the villagers there. I feel for the people who live there who have been pulling their hair out now for 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 well over you know a decade trying to get this issue resolved. Um, but to date, I, I I really I thought we were in a situation last summer where this. A solution had been found, and we had it over the line. But it it's it, it was dealt another blow there um, in recent weeks, unfortunately. Yeah. Looking at a picture here of two manhole covers, and they seem to be sort of flowing out around them, like there's a pool of muck mm. and dirt around them. And I can only imagine. I mean, I'm talking about the warm weather coming back. I can only imagine on a hot summer's day what it must smell like. And that, that that makes it even more frustrating because on those hot summer days, as I said, I have very fond memories that we would we would meet. Um, you know, Clannacilty is only five minutes in the road. We would meet up there as a group of friends, and in on a hot summer day, the the alternative for going to a pact in Shidani was going to the Argadine in Shenvale and jumping in, and it was so cool. And we had these we had these makeshift swings made out of of tires, etc., that we'd swing into the river. Mm. But I mean, it, it was the place to go to. It was the hangout point. And I really feel for the people in Shenvale who can't use that that facility mm. anymore. And you, and you mentioned the image there of the two manhole covers with the 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 dark black um, sewage water around it. There's some very this is been getting media attention now for quite a number of years which makes it even more surprising that it hasn't been sorted but um there's pictures of of uh, a local uh, basically with a thick uh, rubber gloves on holding up a pint glass of of the substance oh and it, it is just disgusting you know it, it's, it's it's terrible and and uh, we need we need to get a resolution to this and and um for me Cork county council hold the key here I know that um, you brought this in your capacity as a, as a TD, Christopher. You've brought this to the attention of Darrow O'Brien, who happens to be the appropriate minister. What has he said? Yeah, well, f- first of all, I think what should cause alarms is he has publicly stated now that this is a public health issue, um, which is serious when you have the minister of the day making a declaration like that. Obviously, you have the fact that you have sewage seeping up through the, the um, playground, but only two or 300 metres down the river from... Um, this play park is the uh, Jones's Bridge, which is the uh, public drinking water supply treatment area for the whole entire oh. area of Clannacilty. So that adds another area, uh, um, another point of seriousness to this. Now, he, he, Minister O'Brien 
we visited um, Philip Shenvale with me uh, in summer 2022. I really, I felt it was incredibly important being the line minister to, that he sees what's going on down there. And he met with locals. And in response to that, or, well, actually it, it had already been uh, announced. We had the announcement of a, a, sp- a specific fund, a 50 million euro um, fund for local authorities where villages had no wastewater treatment plant or they had inadequate wastewater treatment systems, they could apply for funding under this scheme. Um, And, you know, we were there, uh, there was um, a a large crowd gathered and the expectation was after all the media attention, after all the pressure that surely, given the public health um, implications of this, that, you know, Shannon Vale would be number one on the list in terms of uh, applying for this funding. Now, extraordinarily, a number of weeks ago, um, through an inquiry I made, I found out that actually uh, Shan- or, um, the, the deadline for applications passed in September 2022. I found out that Shannon Vale wasn't included what? for application. So it was... A, it, did, and why this why is not? Really, Were you able to find out why not? It, no, so they, they, put two, they put through two priority applications, and I'm not going to... Uh, balance one against the other, but they had, there was Grabal Bay and there was Glontan. I think were the two applications that they put in, but they omitted Shannon Vale, and I can't, I can't figure that out. I haven't found out why they haven't put in Shannon Vale. What, I what's thought. needed down there, Christopher, other than cleaning up twenty years of sewage, a new septic tank, or what is needed? Yeah, and I think this is where a qualified engineer really, the, the, their opinion would be more qualified than mine. But I, as from my, what I can gather, um, PJ, there's two solutions here. Um, you just put in, as you said, a, a brand new. Um, septic tank, a, a biocycle unit, a fit-for-purpose wastewater treatment plant. But I always think that those kind of solutions are temporary. Now, again, the frustrating thing is across the river on the other side, um, some of the uh, houses within Shannon Vale are actually served by the Clannacilty wastewater treatment plant. So there's a mains pipe going from Shannon Vale into Clannacilty, but they haven't connected the um, eastern side of the village, put it that way. Um, so you have you have that option. You can run a pipe under the river, um, use a pumping station to pump the um, uh, wastewater up to the mains pipe, which would then bring it into Clannacilty. I think that would be the obvious permanent solution. Mm. Clannacilty has a brand new state-of-the-art wastewater treatment plant that could cater for this. The other solution then, as you said, is, is a temporary, but whatever, whatever it is, it needs to happen. Now, there, there was a missed opportunity there. Now, if I was to say there was light at the end of the tunnel, the minister also informed me that there, only 20 applications have been received for this 50 million euro funding for the provision of um, wastewater treatment plant in the villages. You can imagine there's so many villages out there that don't have adequate wastewater um, treatment plants. Mm. And what's happening is, and you know, we talk about being in a housing crisis, many developments are being stymied and stopped because a village doesn't have adequate wastewater treatment plants. So providing this type of infrastructure really does open um, up a lot of land within development boundaries. But amazingly, only 20 applications have been received nationally. You know, um, the minister has... Assured so so that what he- you're saying to me, Christopher, is, and you're a government TD, and you're in, in direct contact with the appropriate minister... The money has been provided, but no one is reaching out to get it. Not to the extent that um, I feel they should be reaching out. Has a costing been done on what the work might take to, might cost to do down there? I, I, I'd only be guessing again because you have two potential solutions. You either have the, the connection to the uh, mains water or you have the provision of a new... Um, brand new wastewater treatment facility. It could potentially run into the multiple millions. Everything does seem to do that now at this stage, PJ. Um, but the point is, the money has been made available, and it will be made available again. What Cork County Council need to do now is, is a, a, but 
the minister has assured me he'll reach out to Cork County Council to the management of Cork County Council to say, listen, first of all, why hasn't an application come mm. in? And I would hope, um, you know, and this isn't a case of pulling strings or, or, or making special arrangements. This is a case of a public health measure. I would hope that that if, if an approach was made from Cork County Council, that the minister would be open to it. And he, and he said as much in mm. his response to me in, in, in the doll. But I just feel for the people of, of Shannonville. They've had so many false, false dolls and this, you know. To me, as an observer, Christopher, and I'm, I'm sure as many others listening to this conversation who will ask the question, well, the minister has put the money aside. That's great. Why isn't the county council looking for a slice of that money to do this job where people have not been able, kids have not been able to access a playground for nearly 20 years? What's going on? Why Why is the approach not being made? Why is the application not being made. That, that's the, that's the question that people would want me to try to answer now. Hundred percent, and and the same uh, same with me. Look, I mean, sometimes it can be our favourite hobby to have a go of local authorities for 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 what, what they're not doing. They do fantastic work in in, in different areas around the county. I was I was county mayor myself in two thousand nineteen. I'm aware of of what goes on around the county, but sometimes I think with local authorities and, spe- and especially over the last four or five years, they they seem to be. Um, Kind of absolving themselves of some of the most basic um, uh, services that would have been provided. I'm thinking of things like you, right through West Cork. Now you have communities who are fundraising for their own playgrounds. Yeah. Um. They 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 have to fundraise hundreds of thousands, and they make it some leader funding. Um. Uh, from from which would be European funding, but the local authorities. I mean that I remember that being one of the basic uh, services that a local authority would provide, yeah. and that would be yeah. playgrounds. The same could be said for. Um, public toilets. Um, there are lots of villages and, and beaches around uh, West Cork, and I say West Cork because that's what I'm most familiar with, but mm. I'm sure the rest of the county could have voted for this as well, where simple um, public toilets, which which was always a, a basic provision of a local authority, that they're not being provided to the extent that they should. Mm. So I, what I really would urge local, local authorities is to get back to the basics, and I think for people of Shannon Vale, a basic right is the provision of um, a, a public space that they can play in and that they don't have to deal with uh, this uh, public health issue. All right, Christopher, thank you. Christopher Sullivan, uh, Finnefall TD for Cork South West. It's just a weird weird one. You, you get told by county councils and city councils and every other kind of a council around the country, oh, we've no money to do that. Well, you have. Just pick up the phone. There's 50 million quid sitting in a bank account, I'm assuming or sitting somewhere in the minister's department, find out what it'll cost. And the money's there. Like, it's bad enough. It's okay if you haven't got money, you haven't got money. But the money is there. Seriously, like. 0818 96 96 96. All right, nominations flying in. I was looking at the weekend. Very, very busy traffic on the Cork's 96FM website with your Best of Cork Awards for 2023. We're taking your nominations right now. You can nominate whoever you want under any one of our categories. Breakfast and best restaurant, takeaway, beauty salon, hairdresser, hotel, burger, pizza, best business Instagram. Whole list of them there. You can nominate your favourites at 96fm.ie. There's an overall prize. Lots of lovely plaques and awards to be given out later in the summer. But a 5,000 euro media campaign from Cork's 96 FM also to be won. The Best of Cork Awards back for 2023 only on Cork's 96 FM. Now I will come back to some comments we're getting in about the protest at the library or the protests 
that have been going on for the last six months at the library. You'll have heard from Katie before 10 how the library staff are now so terrified of what's going on that they won't even talk to the media. Uh, even without their picture being shown, they won't talk to the media. They're so terrified of what's going on in there and their union is taking it up as an issue for them. Some comments on that to come back to. Also, we had an interesting email uh, from a mum who took her youngster to Doctor 365 at the weekend. She was delighted with the service, met a lovely doctor, everything was grand, but she got a shock afterwards. Bring you that email shortly. But seeing as we're talking SHITE and all that, um, Carmel, now you are a council tenant, we're not going to say where, city council tenant, uh, not going to say where at this point in time, but your toilets aren't working and haven't worked for some time. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, I'm having trouble. I have a toilet upstairs and a toilet downstairs and they're blocked for the last seven weeks and um, the Cox City Council won't come out. I've been ringing them since the 1st of June and all I'm getting is we'll send someone down and there's no one coming down. I tried um, caustic soda. I tried um, other things that I bought, Woody's and deals and all, toilet. All, all that kind of thing nothing worked how did they get blocked do you know I, I, they're getting blocked for over seven years so they they did come out at the start and they used block them and I asked to speak to an engineer and they told me they had no I said could you give me a phone number for an engineer I want to speak to him and they said we haven't got any phone number for him and I said could you tell me where I'd find him the way I could speak you know speak face to face for him they said we don't know where he is but we'll send him down mm. so so. and you say sorry now that you say they've been blocked since what the, the end of June D- describe for me what happens? Do they just block up overnight, or or what happens? No, they just block, block. They just block. If you use it, it just you flush it. It just blocks, and the water comes up over the bowl. But it and doesn't. That that sounds like there's something stuck in the U bin. I don't know. One of them, the after I had to ring the after hour people. They came out, not the emergency people. And one of the men told me, one of the council workers told me that all the pipes are rotten and they need to be taken up. The houses are old and the pipes need to be taken up and new pipes need to be put down. So again, I asked for an engineer's phone number or where I could speak to an engineer and I got the same answer. We don't know, we don't know. But OPJ, this has been going on over seven years. This isn't the first time, like? Oh no, no, this is every second week she wanted her neighbours remarked it to me there a couple of months ago. She said, Carmel, every time I look out my, my window, she said, the, the tank is there with the tube going in the side to bl- unblock your toilet. Yeah, who's come out to unblock it before? The, well, the council. Because they, the city council, but they stopped coming out, so I stopped to ring the after hours crowd, and they were good enough to come out. But I rang them, and they said, I rang them on the 1st of June, and they told me 
that there was a new uh, rule came in that the maintenance is up to the person who owns the house, the maintenance, to do it themselves. I was looking actually, Carmel, at the tenant's handbook. And according to that, the blockage, a blockage in the bowl itself is your responsibility, according to that book or my reading of the book. Have Have you thought about calling a plumber? I, I be honest, I haven't got the money for a plumber. I'm on disability allowance. I have a lot of health problems. But the thing is, when I was ringing and ringing since the 1st of June and getting over, my daughter rang. She didn't give her name. And she rang and she just said her tone was blocked. And would they come out? And the woman she was speaking to said to her, well, if it's an ongoing problem, they, they will come out. But if it's not, it's up to yourself to... To, to fix it. Okay, so the rule yeah. as I'm reading it from yeah. the yeah. from the tenant's handbook is about if it gets blocked up once, but you're saying it gets blocked up. And is there any possibility it's getting blocked up because of something you're putting into it? No, no, I'm not putting anything into it. Because, mm-hmm. th- again, the handbook says you must only put toilet paper in it. Yeah, but that's all I'm putting into it. Right, okay. Okay, so you've no idea why it's happening. No, your man told me the pipes are very old. They all need to be taken up and new pipes. These are the pipes outside the house? They're the pipes at the side of the house, yeah. They would be be the council's responsibility. Again, according to the handbook, they would be the council's. Of course, of course. That's that's why I asked to speak to an engineer and they're telling me they've no number. Oh, I don't know where you'd find them. But yet they're saying, oh, we send them down. Have you been talking to any of your local councillors? I've got on to a couple of TVs, but they rang and they said they'll email them and all this. Say, I'm only wasting my time. I also got on to the, the Echo, the um, photographer from the Echo, took photos of the two toilets mm. overflowing. Like if you, if you go to flush the toilet now, as we're speaking, if you went to flush the toilet, what would happen? It would overflow. Right. And will it go back down eventually? It would be eventually, after about an hour, it would eventually go back down. But if you flush it again, it'll come back up. You can't use it. I'm here, PJ, without a toilet for the last seven weeks. Where, what are you doing for a toilet? Well, a couple of my neighbours were good enough to tell me that I can go into them any time. But, you know, that's kind of embarrassing. Well, it's not very easy at one o'clock in the morning either. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. And have any of the, any of the neighbours got a problem? No. So here you are with the toilets not working. The council says it's your problem. Yeah. You say because it's an ongoing problem. And if, in fairness to you, if I'm reading this handbook correctly, if it's an ongoing problem, they do need to sort it out for you. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. And then I, I was in... You can't, the you can't afford a plumber, you say? No, I can't. I'm, I, I am on disability allowance. I, I haven't got much money. I have a lot of health problems. I have osteoporosis. I have asthma. I have a heart murmur. And I told them all that, and they don't take a blind but notice. I'm seven weeks without a toilet. I also have a solicitor lined up. I, I don't want to be... Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cheeky, Carmel, but would, would a plumber not be cheaper than a solicitor? No, but I get a solicitor for maybe 10 or 20 euros. Oh, through the free legal aid system. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I have yeah. you understand. Okay. No, I wasn't being cheeky. I just thought there. Yeah. We'll put it out there. See if anyone has been through this before. As I said, maybe I'm misreading the handbook. I don't know. It's the latest edition of it anyway. And certainly if your toilet bowl gets blocked once, it's your problem. But you say it's been happening for seven years. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see if anybody has had a problem with this and has managed to get it solved. Carmel, good to talk to you. Thanks, BJ. Thank you. Cheers, Carmel. Have a good day. Yeah, anyone else have a problem like that? The handbook, the, both of the councils have a handbook, both the city and the county council have a handbook for tenants. And I just went to the appropriate sections with regard to maintenance. And in the city council, with regard to plumbing repairs. It says the council is responsible for cistern, storage tanks, stopcocks, back boilers, hot water cylinders, taps, external waste pipes and drains, toilet bowls cracked or leaking. But in terms of your own responsibility, the client is responsible, the tenant's responsible for clearing of gully traps, internal waste pipes and toilet bowls and toilet seat replacement, stoppers and chains, sinks and basins. In other words, the regular stuff you do in your own house, the tenant is responsible for that. But if something is becoming blocked on an ongoing basis, it seems someone has said someone has said to Carmel that the problem is outside. Patsy says the councils don't do the drains anymore. You mean the drains leading into and out of your house, Patsy? That's an interesting one. Because according to the handbook, and as I said, the Cork Tenants Handbook, City Council is responsible for uh, external waste pipes and drains. According to the handbook. Thank you, Patsy. Uh, PJ, I'm the same at my toilet downstairs. It's been out of action the past year now. Still no sign of a plumber. I'm ringing every single day. I have the new toilet here to be installed and still nobody coming. It's a joke. And Tom says, PJ, no working toilet in Fitzgerald's Park for six, eight weeks now. Eight weeks now. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's a good one, though. You have a toilet ready to be put in. You just need the plumber to come from the council to put it in. And that is their job, according to the handbook. If you want to change a toilet bowl, that is the job of the council's plumber who must come and do it for you. Not a job you want to take on yourself. I wouldn't hasten to think... Thanks. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now let me read this one out to you and see if anyone else has come across this because certainly I was surprised to get this email. I'm familiar with the work of Doctor Three Six Five and the services of Doctor Three Six Five, which are very good. But how's about this one? My son PJ. My son was complaining that he couldn't hear and had a pain in his ears. So I was thinking maybe he had an infection. This came in on opinion. At 96fm.ie. I rang the number for Dr. 365 on Sunday morning. They told me bring him down and they would see him. So I did. And we met a lovely young doctor who diagnosed an infection and said John would need some antibiotics for about a week. She wrote me a prescription. PJ, my son has a medical card, but I know Dr. 365 don't take the card. So I just paid at the desk 
and headed off to the chemist. You know how it is. You want them to be seen and 45 quid is expensive, but look, when it's for your child, you'll pay it, won't you? What I wasn't expecting is that when I took his prescription to my usual chemist, the man on duty said, we couldn't put it on my son's medical card because it's Doctor 365. If we'd gone to South Doc, we could put it on the card, but not Doctor 365. So I had to fork out another 55 euro for the medication. PJ, can you find out what's going on here? I understand you have to pay for Doctor 365 to see the doctor. I don't mind that. But why are there prescriptions not covered under the medical card? What if I didn't have the money? Like lots of people wouldn't have these days. Thank you. Please don't re- use my name. Thanks for that. that. I never knew that. I did not know that. I knew that Dr. 365, you have to pay them. Um, you know, you have to pay for the consultation and whatever. But I didn't know that when you take a prescription from Dr. 365 and go to your local chemist and put it in with your medical card, it's not covered under your medical card. I'd be interested to know why. Why that is the case. Imagine a lot of people could be caught short that way. Let's see if we can't find out. 0818 96 96 96. If any chemists are listening that know the answer to that, give us a call because I'd like to clarify it for people. Uh, Kevin, PJ, uh, Kevin says, PJ, if it's, this is the toilets, if it's caused by a structural issue like the collapsing drains, it is the landlord's responsibility. Someone needs to put a camera down and go from there. Yeah, well... Kevin, that's according to the handbook. Drains outside are the council's responsibility, but Patsy is saying that they don't do the drains anymore, so we're not 100% sure where Carmel goes now. We have confirmed that the council have stopped sorting out drains around social housing units, and I will get to an explanation for it, and there's an action on to try and change that policy, but the, yes, they have. It, going against their own handbook, in the handbook, they say that the drain outside is the council's responsibility, but it would seem the council have now walked away from doing that job. 0818 96 96 Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Now, not to do with toilets, but to do with walls. Christopher. Hello. Morning. Oh, things, man. Where's this after happening? I tell you no, this is up in presentation close, right? Okay. No, my ex, she, she she have a gable end, and the other woman next door have a gable end. Okay. No, there's a wall between the two of them, okay? No, she's been reporting this since last October. Right. At least, at least twice a week. Okay. No, the bell's gone up. By the face in office, it fell down there Friday night with the winds that we had in Moravia. Okay. But it is about eight, nine feet long. It is uh, about five to six inches in height and it's half an inch thick. What's this now, Christopher? The face in office. Oh, yeah. The, so the, the face has fallen off, has it? No, the face is off. It's after falling off. But do you know the bounce that goes up the side of the toilets? 
Do you know where the tiles ends on the defacement surface? Yes, I do. That's plastered up there with sand and cement. Yes, yes, yes. That's falling yeah. off. Yeah, no, it fell off. Oh, I see. It fell off. No, the woman next door, she's an only expensive too. Right. So is my, my ex, okay? Okay. They're afraid to go down the alley to plug their bins or what have you. For fear that any more will fall off. Yes, and it is ready to fall off. I'm looking at it now as we speak. Okay, so this is off the side of I, I wasn't with you there for a second. So this is on the side but, of the house, and it's it's quite dangerous. It's falling onto okay. the alleyway between the houses. That's right, yeah. That's right. Mm. Now, she's been reporting this for since last October. Right. And all she's getting is, we have her on record. Yeah. That's all she's getting off on. Right, and no, no, like, there was no, lumps of it fell at the weekend, was it, or did it all come down? It's eight foot long, it's four inches in height, and it's about a half an inch thick. Oh, the whole no, thing came down? Wow. The majority of it, yeah. Now, if it hit somebody... That'd kill him, it's dead. It must be a stone, 20 pound weight, I'd say. Did that oh. kill them? Tud, tud. That killed them. I'm, I'm thinking here, I'm being reminded here of a tragedy a number of years ago on... Washington Street, um, right. a girl called Eva Bell right. uh, lost her life when a piece of a building fell. Yes, oh, that's yes. Really, I remember that, I remember that. I remember that day, she was uh, a yeah. young, young girl and the piece of building fell down onto the street. I remember right. it well. So, yeah, and this is an alleyway where two where elderly people have been up and down and this concrete is falling from above. That's right, yeah. And is it still falling, Christopher? Well, I tell you, no... It's ready to fall down again. Right, right. If we get the wind, it's ready to fall down again. Remind me again where it is? Nine presentation close. Presentation close. All right, listen. Keep that. Stay, stay in mind, we'll, because I'm actually going to talk to Councillor McNugent about something else entirely, but he may be able to help with, with that. We'll, man, write that address down there for me, Richie Food, on the screen. Nine presentation close. Christopher, thank you, and I hope that works out because that sounds like a terribly dangerous situation. The concrete kind of a strip on the side of the house has fallen uh, over the weekend down into the alleyway and there's more of it up there and it could still fall down it's very dangerous thank you Christopher now Councillor McNugent you might be able to help us with that in a sec but you can clarify the situation with regard to toilets like Carmel's toilet Patsy rang us to say that despite what it says in the council handbook the council are not doing drains anymore what's the story morning yeah, uh, thanks, PJ. Yeah, there seems to be a change of approach um, most recently. You know, saying that, you know, the people I did contact council on that had issues with, with drains um, were cleared um, afterwards, you know. And as you pointed out, like, if there is a historical issue there or there's an issue with, you know, there's a block of houses and there's a continual issue with one house that, you know, I mean, they will, they will do it, PJ. Uh, that's my experience now in the last while, you know. Right. But what is the story with this change in policy? That's what we're trying to get clarity on, uh, PJ, whether it's, um, I know we're seeking clarity, whether it's a funding issue or staffing issue. I suspect, PJ, maybe a funding issue as well, that um, this has been going on for a while. I know housing maintenance had made the point before that, look, that's costly exercise and 
as you mentioned there, there may be occasions where you, you know there's block and some people are putting things on the toilet they shouldn't they shouldn't be doing you know but mm. our viewpoint is like that you know it is something that the council should do you know um they should be clearing issues like that for tenants and if there is a historical issue going trying and sort it out or if there is an issue one maybe one person in the block maybe they just people need to be reminded of what exactly goes down the toilet and what doesn't go down the yeah, toilet yeah PJ, well, you know? I mean, the, the, the tenants handbook is 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 very clear in that there's a whole list of of do's and don'ts nappies sanitary towels kitchen paper paper other than toilet paper if a toilet or sewage sewer blockage is found to have been caused by foreign objects then a charge will apply it also says don't put cooking fat cooking oil fat or motor oil how the hell anyone wants to put motor oil down a sink or a toilet i don't know but it's in the handbook anyway and then it says that the tenant is responsible for unblocking uh, your your toilet should it happen once. But if it happens repeatedly, it surely becomes a tenant's, uh, um, a council problem. Their list is, their list is extensive too. Um, waste includes external waste pipes and drains, so it's very clear in the book. Yeah, yeah, I think you've summed it up there succinctly, like, you know, and I think it is the council's responsibility uh, for an issue. And look, it's it's only when you hear from people you can imagine how you know how an issue how troublesome it is, botherism it is for for tenants. Like I had an issue there recently where it was affecting a few tenants um, in the block, and sometimes the person with the main manhole doesn't have the issue. It's actually the people, the rest of the people in the block. Like, and you know, if your back garden is covered, then you in you know what. It's a hazard, particularly in in the summertime, you know. But when I do go to council, they do they do tend to to react and they do tend to follow up. But we just need the clarity on what exactly is the policy now going for, going forward. So there's a consistent approach yeah. that like, is attended. Drink always up, when you take a it, call you know? like Carmel's, you get another. Um, and this is someone here who says their toilet downstairs has been out of action for a year. Now this is slightly different. They have bought a new toilet bowl, bought an entire new toilet. They just need the plumber to come and install it, and no sign of a plumber. Yeah, um, if if they bought a new toilet themselves, PJ replacing what's there, yeah, that may that may not be the council, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know if they've done it? If they've done that themselves, that could be done to themselves to do that. You know, but if I thought bought, it, it is. A, just looking again to drag out, drag out the handbook. I've never read a handbook in such detail in all my life. Uh, but it says here that the council is repla- responsible for toilet bowls cracked or leaking through normal wear and tear. So the, the council is responsible for the replacement of the toilet bowl. Are you saying if the tenant went out and bought their own, the council might not do it? Depends. If there was an issue, if there was wear and tear, or there had been an issue there, and it had to be changed, then maybe so. But if it was fine, and then the tenant just went away and decided, look, to change it themselves, they wanted to upgrade their their own toilet, that would be that might be a different story than uh, PJ. Oh, you know? I see. I see. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? Um, if there had been a problem, yeah, but if they just replaced something themselves, okay. because they wanted to do that, the okay. council most likely wouldn't do that for them. You, you would know? hope that someone would come out from the council and at least have a look at the situation and, and let them know. But you're, you're trying to clarify the situation with regard to outside drains because, the, as Carmel said to me, the one person that did talk to her about it said that there appeared to be a problem in the drains outside. Yeah, I look if it's if it's on the footprint of the property and it's council property be council. Like if it's out on the main road, then it could be something uh, you know might have to contact Irish Water. 
first. Yes. Then, you know what? Then, I mean, you know? I, the more I, and I know you're trying to deal with this, and the, the more I listen to you, the more I just want to hop my head off a wall with the number of different entities involved in unblocking a shaking toilet. Seriously. Yes, yes, yeah, I know, it can be, but sometimes the buck is passed from one to the other, like, there's out in the main road, it could be Irish water, and then who will pass it back to the city council? Um, but in the time, in the, of course, in a few weeks, months ahead, um, mm. Irish water will be taking all, taking all over. But, oh, it has um, driven, it has driven saner men to drink, that's the truth now, Mick. It really has. Well, you know, but if you look, if, if I know your previous caller, I didn't catch all that, but it looks as any if some, you know, if there's anything we need to follow up, you can always pass on the number. Okay. Pass on the yeah, that's a different number. issue now. The matter at the right. Carmel, we can put you in touch with Carmel if, if if we if we need to. But nine presentation closed. This is one that just came in off the back of Carmel's call. Christopher was saying that there are some concrete, an alleyway between two houses. They're both tenants. Some concrete has fallen off the wall down into the alleyway. There's more that looks very dangerous. There's more that looks very unstable. Nine presentation close. And I said I'd pass it on to you. Maybe you could look into it. Well, you'll be, Jay. No problem. All right, bye. Mick, thank you. That's Councillor Mick Nugent. 0818-969696. No, that, that, like, <laughs> that kind of fluting around now just... It, oh, it boils my insights. So... The council are responsible for it if it's on the footprint of the property and then it goes out into the street and it might be the pro- problem of Irish water but if it's Irish water's problem they'll come back to the council anyway. Oh, you really would want strong tea. More whiskey. One of the two. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Um, but there certainly seems to be a change in policy with regard to doing outside drains, whether they haven't got enough plumbers, or they haven't got enough time, or they haven't got enough money. It's not happening. Back to the library protest. And Casey went down on Friday to cover the protest in support of the library workers, who for the last six months have been affected frequently by very loud and very aggressive protests in the library and by people tearing up books and filming workers behind their desks and other such aggressive behaviour to the point where they're now fearful and they went to their union and their union organised a protest on Friday and there was a huge turnout, several hundred people. A small counter-protest also took place. But anyway, this came in this morning... PJ, I heard someone reading a paragraph of the book at the centre of this, and it was about oral sex. It wasn't suitable for children and shouldn't be in the library. I'm a great-grandfather and would not like any of my grandchildren reading about such topics. It's not an anti-LGBT protest. These people are against the content of the book. You don't sign your name. Thank you for that. I take your point. If you object to the content of a book, that is entirely your right. We do live in a democracy. You're entitled to object to the content of a book. You're entitled to object to the making of that book available in a public library. You're entitled to hold those views. You are not entitled to march up to the counter, start filming something, someone in the course of their work, particularly someone who had absolutely nothing to do with the decision to put the book in the library. The people at the counter were not the ones who made the decision to stock the book. There's the point. 
those people, you're picking the wrong, the people protesting loudly in the foyer of the library, loudly and rudely and aggressively and with film, they're picking the wrong people. Okay, well, thank you for that. 0818969696. On the subject of Dr. 365, um, and no criticism, by the way, of Dr. 365 in our correspondence email here. Very happy with the service they received. We met a very nice doctor, spoke to her son, examined him, said, yep, he does have an infection, will need some antibiotics, should take a few days, he will be fine, wrote the prescription. She understood, having taken her son to Dr. 365 on a Sunday, there'd be a charge for that because they don't take the medical card uh, for consultations. But what surprised her was that when she went to the chemist, the guy at the chemist said that he couldn't put the prescription on the medical card because it was a Dr. 365 prescription. That if they'd gone to South Doc, you could put it on the card but not Dr. 365. So this lady who got onto us overnight had to pay out another 55 euro for medication. And she said, make the point, like, I understand you have to pay for the service, but why are their prescriptions not covered? What if I didn't have the money? Like lots of people wouldn't have these days, which is a very valid point. Maeve said, this is because it's a private prescription and not written on a medical card prescription. Thank you, Maeve. The CUH also won't give you a medical... I don't know who this is from. The CUH also won't give you a medical card subscription. You have to go back to your GP to get one that'll go on a medical card. See, I don't get that. I don't get the private thing either, Maeve, to be quite honest. Or if it is a case, and I don't know whether this happened with this lady in question, but it doesn't sound like it did. If it is a case that a Dr. 365 prescription isn't covered by the medical card, then it should say it on their website or they should tell you when they're handing out the prescription. Not that it makes a whole pile of difference. You did it to get the medicine. But I would have thought that if, if something like Dr. 365 is supposed to be taking pressure off the likes of South Dock, South Dock is already under pressure and, and rammed silly and short of doctors and all of that. They're cutting back their hours because there's just not enough staff and all that. So are people going to be going now with medical cards, going to be going to something like Dr. 365 and getting seen and paying over their 45 quid in the hope that they'll be able to go down to the chemist and get the at least get the prescription on the medical card? And they can't. That should be something that should be pointed out to them. If we can get a better explanation for us, we will. But thank you for that, Maeve. You've, you've led us down the right road, at least. 0818 96 96 96. Now, this is around the time of year when we start wondering, is our favourite television show coming back in the autumn? Um, some of them don't. One of my favourites got cancelled. After six seasons, I'm upset. I'll have to go back to the start and start watching it again. Another one of my favourites is definitely coming back for season seven. Or is it? Because it's caught up in this Writers Guild of America writing strike. People who write for television, who write scripts and who write screenplays and write scenes and just people who write. Everything that you see on your television had to be written by somebody. 
in the first instance. And a lot of seasons of shows are affected by this strike at the Writers Guild of America. They had one back in 2007 or 2008 as well. But this is a bad one. And some of the stuff that's going to be affected by it um, will be season six of Cobra Kai, which my boy will be gutted about because he's a huge, as am I, huge Cobra Kai fan. We think that might be delayed on Netflix. Season four of Emily in Paris could be affected by it. Family Guy, season 22 of Family Guy. Season seven of The Good Doctor. I love The Good Doctor. Freddie Highmore is so wonderful in that. That's one of my favorite shows. That is in doubt whether it'll start on time, may not start until the new year, if that season starts at all. Season 7 of 9-11, 9-1-1, that's a good show, good emergency show. That's been pushed back for a few weeks. American Horror Stories, pushed back. Grey's Anatomy, season 20, pushed back probably into 2024. Season 2 of The Last of Us, which was a big hit. That's been delayed now to 2025. The Mandalorian Season 4. That won't be filmed now until much, much later this year. Season 5 of Stranger Things postponed indefinitely. Season 3 of The White Lotus delayed until early 2024. Some movies as well held up. Uh, You'd wonder why. What is going on here? Why are all of these writers on strike uh, Hugh Farley is with Writers Guild Ireland and joins me to figure out why some of our favourite shows might not come back and why are the writers on strike. Hugh, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, there's fundamentally three issues. The Writers Guild of America is striking because the Association of Motion Picture Producers uh, and Motion Picture and Television Producers have not responded to uh, significant drops in pay over the last three years. Um, um, it used to be about a third of writers were working on minimum pay. Hmm. Um, um, and now it's about half. So um, that's one issue. So pay is one thing. The second thing is the role of AI in, in script writing. Uh, and the third one is the sales of their work, particularly the streamers, have earned a huge amount of money and they're not passing that on to the people who've created the shows in the first place. Oh, so when a series that I write for is sold on to Netflix or Prime or whatever you have in yourself, I should get a kickback from it, but I don't. Is that it? Yeah. Historically, there was this form of payment called residuals, which both music artists get, um, um, actors, directors and writers based on the sales of the work. Essentially, what streaming has done is essentially ripped up that rule book and said, actually, no, we don't really want to do that anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to pay you what they describe as an enhanced fee. And that is basically take the money and go away. Oh, so here's your contract to write for this season or this episode or this whatever and and that's what we're paying you and that includes a little extra because we will be selling it onto Netflix yes I see so the writers are on strike looking to get a better deal coming into the autumn that's when we all say well such and such is coming back that's coming back that's coming back that's been renewed stuff won't come back Hugh is that right yeah, essentially, there's going to be two things that's, that that is going to happen. The first thing is it's going to be a long strike because, on the one hand, 
um, the Writers Guild know that this is a kind of an existential moment for writers. It's not just really about whether or not they get this particular pay deal as opposed to the deal that they would have negotiated three years ago because these things renew on a three-year basis. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a line in the sand in terms of whether or not writing can continue to be a viable profession or not. That's why they're so entrenched and that's why 97% of their membership voted in favour of strike action, even though that essentially means that, you know, there's families that are going without pay for now going on two months. You you mentioned AI. If, If I were a writer and I'd been writing for something that was going into season four or season five, would I be worried now that they know enough about how I write that they can ask an AI bot to do it and I'm out of a gig? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you've summarized it very accurately. I think one of the fundamental problems with AI, not just in terms of the entertainment business, but more generally, is that um, we just don't really know where it's going. Hmm. And in some respects, um, AI does actually a phenomenal job in in some things and less well in others. The problem with AI for the media industries is nobody really knows where it's going to end and just how many jobs are going to be lost. Um, Obviously, writing is one of those areas because it can be used um, as a tool for story forming, for figuring out what the arc of a series might be. And that obviously is going to put people out of work. And this is a really significant issue, as you have said, is if Netflix has bought out my work for the first four seasons and they feed that into a large language model, uh, are they essentially stealing my copyright? Because they're stealing my tone of voice. They're stealing the way in which I express myself. Mm. And it's just being synthesized by a computer for free. Wow. Do we know at this stage, Hugh, what what big shows might not come back this September or whenever? No, um, I think there's the, the what's going to predicate it is that clearly there is a, a, a simple supply and demand thing. There's only so many things that can be produced in, in such a period of time. That's one thing. I think the other thing is that you're going to find that shows which have not been stellar in terms of their ratings, they might uh, be very, very well regarded. Uh, Famously Breaking Bad, when it was produced by AMC, the first two seasons really didn't perform particularly well in terms of ratings, but it was an absolute critical darling, and the people who did watch it loved it. Mm. Now, those are the shows, exactly those kinds of shows are the ones which are in danger of not being renewed. So that we might never see the new Breaking Breaking bad through through this kind of thing. You say yeah. it could be a long strike. Yeah. I think on the one hand, uh, the WGA and its members recognize this as a really key moment for them. And on the other side, the Association of Motion Picture Television Producers, they too think that basically they can starve out the, the, the script writers. They can just force them back to the table and they can do what they want. And certainly the model in which um, the streamers, Netflix, Apple, um, Hulu, etc., etc., have acted in terms of creative contracts wouldn't give you a tremendous amount of confidence. So I think they think um, it's just a game of chicken. This is actually starting to sound like an episode of Black Mirror. Um, it, it really is like where actually you gave us all these rights. You didn't know you were giving them to us, but, but you did. Uh, page 
8, section 37, paragraph B, you have a digital copy. That's yes. the, the episode, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Joan, Joan is Evil or Joan is Awful. It really looks at streaming and, and how it dominates everything now. Hugh, are there Irish writers, are there people based who make their living here in this country affected by this? It's hard to say. There are certainly Irish writers who work or have worked on American shows. Um, of course, Kin was financed by AMC primarily. Yeah. Um, that's Peter McKenna. And um, shows like um, The Witcher has, a, has had an Irish writer. What the rules are is simply this. No member of the WGA can work on uh, work for a striking company. In relation to our members in the Writers Guild of Ireland, what we've said is we're asking our members to not work on American shows that's essentially going to replace striking workers. Hugh, thanks. It looks like a lot of our favourites won't be coming back, but, but here is why and they won't be coming back for now. Thank you for your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Hugh. Good man. Hugh Farrelly from the Irish Writers Guild. Yeah, some movies caught up in that as well. There's a new Spider-Man was to go into pre-production in the next couple of months. That won't happen either. The list I read to you are all stuff that may or may not be caught up, depending on... And then, as, as Hugh said there, the supply of writers now is, is cut way, way down. Mandalorian Season 4, Last of Us Season 2, Grey's Anatomy Season 20, my daughter would be gutted. Stranger Things Season 5, Good Doctor Season 7, I'm not happy about that myself. Cobra Kai Season 6, although it doesn't look to be affected because it's filmed, but is the end of it filmed. That wasn't due for release on Netflix until the back end of the year. My young fellow would be disgusted if that doesn't come back. Season 6 of Cobra Kai, which I think is to be the last season of it. Yeah, I mentioned Black Mirror there talking to to Hugh. That's a show that uh, my daughter introduced me to over the last few weeks. I don't watch a whole pile of television in the summer, but she came over one night recently and the weather was crap. So instead of sitting out the back um, and chatting, we said we'd sit and watch a bit of telly and she introduced me to, to Black Mirror and I'm stuck on it now. And the episode that I was talking about there to Hugh is Joan is awful it's well worth a look and there's another one as well Um, it's called Lock Henry that's another particularly good episode of Black Mirror there's a lot of them, they're very weird some of them are deadly weird but they're really well made and they're all about 40 minutes to an hour long and there's 6 seasons of them there so even if they don't resume (laughs) you'll have 6 seasons of Black Mirror to get through throughout the course of autumn and winter if you haven't discovered it up to now 0818-969696 Okay, D says the doctor on the medical card or another doctor in that practice are the only people who can write a prescription. If you get one from Doctor 365, take it to your own doctor and they'll change it to a medical card prescription, says D. Which is fine, D. That's fine. I take that and I'm glad that your own doctor or your own doctor's practice or whatever will do that for you. But the thing is, D... Where was this woman supposed to go on a Sunday? The very reason she went to Doctor 365 was because she couldn't get access to her own doctor on a Sunday. And we all know how long the waiting times are for South Dock. So, yeah, I, I, I now get the technical explanation for it. Um, but I don't like it anyway. 
I mean, surely Doctor Three Six Five, and I'm not probably a matter for them. Surely Doctor Three Six Five could be accepted having. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems a bit mad. Just, and the idea that yes, go to your own doctor and they'll rewrite the prescription. That's fine. So this lady takes her son to the doctor yesterday uh, because he's in pain and he has an infection and whatever, and she gives him a prescription. So you're saying that they got to go down to their own doctor this morning and get that prescription reissued to get it on the medical card. That's 24 hours gone between the time of the seeing the doctor and the time of getting the medicine into the child, which isn't good anyway. 0818 96 96 96. Just, I didn't know this. And I think a lot of people didn't know this. And maybe the very good people at Dr. 365 should be telling patients, look, that prescription won't be covered on your medical card. There seems to be, for as long as I can remember, a shortage of school places in East Cork. With the whole thing with Carrie Tuchel, and that appears to have been sorted out now. They've got a fantastic new complex being built on Carrie Tuchel, but there still appears to be a terrible shortage of secondary school places and the last time we did this a few years ago with kids getting supposedly supposed to get on a bus one parent said from Castle Martyr to town in the morning to go to secondary school in town and then a bus back in the afternoon that's not not acceptable at all I would have thought the carry tool situation would have eased it but there would appear to be still a dreadful shortage of places in secondary school. It's something that uh, local TD, David Stanton, who has announced he's retiring at the next election, but local Fine Gael TD, David Stanton, he, he raised that re- or this recently, the shortage of secondary school places. The schools in East Cork are all full and they all have waiting lists. Now some, and I've got, I've raised this on a number of occasions and I've got the response from the minister here telling me about what they're going through in the, fu- in the, in the future. We're down to a situation. There's now a number of students who have no place in September. Parents are ringing me up, and if the minister will put himself in that position, there'll be a 12-year-old boy or girl uh, who who doesn't have a place. All their friends have places. They're getting their uniforms, they're getting their books, they're getting organised, and they have nowhere to go. Uh, In one particular instance, one parent I'm told was was, was asked to consider homeschooling. Homeschooling. Another, the child was, or the parent was advised, maybe you can travel 30 miles away to a school. Now that's raised in the dial by David Stanton. On the ground in East Cork, uh, Sinn Féin Councillor Daniel Toomey. Daniel, you've been talking to a lot of the parents. Is, the, is it as bad as it was a few years ago? Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, it's bad every year. Every year we reach a pinch point um, in regards to school places. Um, this year, for my information, there's about 40 kids on a waiting list of one school. Um, I'm, I don't have the numbers for the other two schools, but I do know that they do have a waiting list still. Now, what the issue here is that we are in the middle of the summer. Our schools now are shutting down until August, mm. the week of August 14th. So, Parents are left in limbo because they don't know where they stand until August 14th. That's two weeks, maybe one week in some instances where they're due to start school. Mm. And like that, like that is not good enough. Now, we have been saying to the department for years upon years that we need another we need an additional secondary school in East Cork. And like the answers that um, Deputy Stanton gets every time he raises it and he has been raising it for a long time, um, 
like we get a list of future projects that are like sticking plasters Mm. but the the issue like it it makes it easier for a while and then it's we're back to square one again Mm. and was it was it was it silly of me then danielle to think that when the carry tool project got the go-ahead that this would solve everything well, we always knew it wasn't going to. Like, we always knew. I mean, the the Caritool will be getting their new school campus, um, hopefully by the end of quarter four this year. And that school is already maxed to capacity. So, you know, it was never going to fix the problem. Now, I know that they are uh, building another extension in St. Coleman's. That's still not going to resolve the problem. We uh, There was a group um, formed three years ago when we had a really bad year we had about a hundred kids but no places and there was a group formed to try and lobby the government or lobby the department into seeing that we do need an additional school um figures were compiled in a data report by um you know statistics that we gathered from all of the schools in the area all of the preschools everything to try and gauge the numbers that are coming down the line and the department didn't even respond to them so it's very hard to communicate with the department because they're saying that we don't like it's not an issue. Their response to parents this time around was that multiple parents have their kids on multiple lists and they're not removing their, their kids from the lists when they get a place. Now, there is an element of that. Yeah. Um, but you can but see why in a way, Danielle, if you're waiting until the start of August to know what school your child is going to go to. Yeah. You're going to keep to them on those lists. Fixed. But that could be easily fixed, PJ. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. If the department is aware that that is happening, why not set up um, an application system, a central application system that all the schools could use? Because we know that the schools can't share their lists with each other due to GDPR, but the department can access the information. So either sign a waiver at the start of your application process, knowing that your information will be shared amongst the secondary schools or else set up a central application system that all the schools will use. And that will cut down on on people accepting places and then forgetting to remove their kids from other lists. Like, at the end of the day, what I'm a parent myself and what really kind of gets me about this whole situation is that you have Johnny next door who has his school place and he may have been offered two or three school places and he's, he got the pick of what he wanted to do. And you have your child at home. He has no school place and he's sat there wondering, well, why am I not good enough? Why did I not get a school place? Yeah. What's the difference between me and Johnny next door? And that is simply not fair. And another element of it as well is that we are so short on school places that children do not get to have any choice as to what kind of education they have. And I think that's so wrong. I think they should have a choice in what school they go to. Mm. Some schools focus more on academics. Some schools focus on sports. Some schools have, you know, like a a, a multi-denominational ethos. Why should kids not be able to choose Mm. where they go to school? Because in terms of planning for school places... Danielle and I've I just again I'm I'm just a gob on a stick but I I think I know how to plan something. I would have thought that mm-hmm. every time a child is accepted into junior infants that's a child gone into the school system that it's at that yeah. point you begin preparing a secondary school place for that child cuz they don't all drop out after primary anymore. 
Well, PJ, that is that's the logical thing to do. But mm-hmm. we find very much with the Department of Education, logic is something that is very lacking within that department. And you know what? It's the schools in the area that bear the brunt of that. That it seems it planning. seems so simple. Like you know, little little baby Toomey goes into junior infants at the age of five. Well, they're going to be in the school system for the next ten or so many more years than that. They should already yeah. be preparing a secondary school place. Well, we actually, the, that report where we submitted to the department to show the need that the fu- these future kids are coming down the line, they will need a place in the coming years. That was also submitted to Cork County Council as part of the county development plan. And we, I had conversations with our planners around that time where they actually agreed that East Cork needs a new school. Our own planners agreed and that was put to the department by our own planners as well and the department they just won't listen. They just won't listen. And we're here now again um, an, another year um, with kids with no places and it's just it's not good enough. It no, really is not good enough. It isn't. It isn't at all. Daniel and the parents, I know sometimes parents are reticent to, to speak publicly and I know you've been talking to a lot of them people are reticent to speak pub- publicly for fear they'll be quietly pushed further down the list and you can understand why people get nervous about that but 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 they are they're 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 like it's what is it now this is this is the 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 10th of july and Mm -hmm. the children don't have a place yet the schools are closed so even a simple thing like a week before or a week and a half before the schools open you get your place you've got to go and try and get a uniform books the whole thing in 10 days yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a family last year, I think it was, or maybe it was the year before, who didn't get confirmation of their school place until the day before school started. Like, right. How are you supposed to work that out? Exactly. I know. I know. Well, okay. All right. But we'll keep going, PJ, I'm and sure. we'll keep lobbying the department because we can't allow this to continue to happen every year. So. All right. All right, Daniel, thank you. That's Sinn Féin Councillor Daniel Toomey from East Cork. I heard also the voice of Deputy David Stanton, who's been working on this for a few. It just makes no sense to me. It just makes the blindest bit of sense that if you put little Johnny or little Mary into the tiny babies, into school, day one, there they are, in school, little uniform, little sack, we'll be seeing thousands of them in September. Little sack, little school uniform, happy out. Mother tears at the door. And all. It's then you start preparing their secondary school place. Not when they have finished primary school and are looking for a place to go, I would have thought. On prescriptions, Sandra says if she brings the prescription back to her doctor, they'll do it out again. And if you go back then, they will refund her. Okay, it's one way of doing it. It just sounds a bit awkward. Anytime I went to the doctor at 365, they told me the prescription to bring it to my own doctor. Says D again. Okay. That's one though. Sandra says, so Sandra, if you're saying if the person who wrote this to us still has the prescription to go down to their own doctor, they'll write it a new one and then back to the chemist and the chemist will refund the money that the prescription cost. Okay. It's one way of doing it. It just makes a bit makes a bit of a roundabout rigmarole for the parent, doesn't it? But thank you. 
Now, uh, Christina, you've got in touch with us. You're, you said that your landlord has been trying to evict you for nearly a year. Morning. Yeah, I was served an eviction notice last August, but thanks be to God, I had the responsibility of checking this out and it was invalid. I contacted Threshold and it was served to me um, two days after I came out of hospital. In what way was it invalid? Threshold found that out um, for you. Because the landlord never checked the length of my tenancy. I see. He said it was a standard notice. You have a certain amount of entitlement yeah. based on how long you've been there. Yeah. Tre- threshold. So it was invalid. So that It was th- invalid, okay. yeah. Okay, so what happened and then? He served me the notice on the 22nd of August. And on the 27th of August, my dad's anniversary, I fell and I broke my leg. Oh, God. And I had four operations, and I was in the hospital, and two days before the notice was up, he actually knocked on my door and said, well, are you going? Mm-hmm. And I said, actually, no, I can't, because I'm disabled. He was still wanting you to go, even though the eviction notice was invalid? Invalid. But he called on, um, on a Saturday morning, it was half past nine, and I was in the back. And I handed him the letter, which I copied from Threshold, and said, no, it's invalid. He said, well, my solicitor said it's valid. And I said, well, it's not. Right. Because I contacted Threshold and I found out. Right. And then I got a message, I'm just waiting till the leaving cert is done and I'll serve you again. Right. Do you have someone doing the leaving cert? My son, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's just finished. Yeah. And he's doing really well. Good. So he was going to serve you with another notice. Have you had that yet? No, I haven't had it yet. Okay. And tell me, Threshold would have told you, how much time must you get from the date? 224 days. 224 days. Which Which amounts to almost seven months. Yeah. So from from whatever day he serves it to you, you'll have seven months. Yeah. I have a good bit of cop on. You sound like it, yeah. Yeah, I do. The house is immaculate. Hmm. I've asked for nothing. And what reason has your landlord given for um, that? Three different reasons. Right. One, his nephew's moving in. Right. One, the mortgage is paid. And the other one is because um, I had a fi- chimney fire and he got the bill. Right. I did the painting. I did the work. I've done everything in the house. The house is immaculate. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and my other thing is I've been fighting now for 10 months I'm child of born and reared. I'm a single mother with an 18-year-old. I've done everything properly, but ev- nobody's listening. Mm-hmm. It, it's shameful, actually. And I'm onto the local TDs. And while they listen, and I'm onto the council, I have doctor's letters. I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but I'm not getting anywhere. And it's so sad. Do you think, Christina, you inevitably will have to go? Oh, yeah, and I've no problem going. It doesn't bother me going. Right. Because I've lost interest in my home. I've loved it. I've I've nurtured it. I've looked after it. I made 
it's a home. It's my home. It's his building. Yeah. And I've made it beautiful. Well, even if he does serve you with a valid notice now, you'll still be there until early 2024. But if I got somewhere smarter, PJ, I'd actually walk out the door quite happy. Oh, would you? Oh, God, I would. You're sick of it now, like? I'm fair sick of it now. I made it a home. It's my home. It's my son's home. Mm -hmm. You You said if there was something out there, it'd be gone tomorrow. Is there anything out there? Well, I have... um, Nearly eight or nine applications gone in with Cork, Cork, Cork County Council. Mm. And I've been to the local TDs and I gave them the address, the postcodes, everything. And nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I got a le- letter this morning from a TD that they're checking out my case. But like, I'm 10 months. I'm disabled. I can't walk. I'm a single mother. I'm trying and trying and trying and it's all falling on their fears. It's and no, would you go somewhere else, or does it have no, to be Charleville? No, I, I have to stay in Charleville for my son. Because he's, he's just finished leaving search, he's doing a job. He comes first. Uh-huh. He comes first. How is he dealing with all this? He's obsessed with everything that's going on. And he says, ma'am, it's not fair. This is our home. But he feels like, as well, do you know what? As soon as we get somewhere, let's just go and start a fresh start. We can put the keys down and say, here, have your house. We've got somewhere. And homeless services won't entertain you at all until you're actually standing there with your bag and baggage. Yeah, until I'm sitting out the front in the tent, there is nobody listening. And this is why I felt like if nobody speaks up, we're getting nowhere. Yeah. We're not getting anywhere. It's it's just like we're fighting a losing battle. And somebody has to speak up. Someone Irish people have to stand up. It's it's just not fair. Christina, I wish you good luck. I Thank hope it so works much. out for you. I really do. I hope so too. You take care now. Thank you. Cheers, Christine. Christina. No, you feel for her. You kind of feel for the landlord too a bit. Because, look, landlords, with the best will in the world, they're entitled to do with their property as they choose. And if they want to sell it or if they want to give it to somebody of their family and do something with it, then that is their right. And once they go about the paperwork and the process correctly, then they're entitled to have their building back. That's just how it is. Um, but there's nowhere for Christina to go, which is the bigger issue. Uh, and I still have this huge problem. And I know I've heard a hundred people try to explain to me this idea that until such time as she's standing in the homeless services office with her bag and baggage um, and nothing else, they won't even look at her. I, I, I have a big problem with that. I know there's logic behind it, but sometimes logic doesn't make sense. 0818 96 96 96. Now, you are off again, Jim Ryan. Let him into me there, Richard. At least the line into me there. Jim Ryan is off again. How many times have you travelled now to see an Irish team play overseas? Morning, sir. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. How many times is it now? Oh, this will be 145 or 46, I'd say. <laughs> and you're off to Australia? Yeah, we're heading off. Uh, as the kids would say, we've only eaten four more sleeps and we're gone. 
<laughs> the first <laughs> match is the 20th, isn't it? The, yeah, Thursday week in the Olympic Stadium in Sydney. Right, right. And how many of you are going? Well, there's, uh, yeah, there's seven of us all together. Um, four from down here in Cork and three from Dublin. So well, we, we travel a lot together all the time. Yeah, I'm looking at an estimate here. You've spent, what, half about <laughs> half a million euro. <laughs> yeah, that would be conservative, I'd imagine. But, you know, if you actually thought about it, all of us spend a million quid in our lifetime doing different things. True. You know, if you think about it. I, I, I spend it travelling. People who haven't heard your voice in a little while remind you, you're a retired guy there. When did you retire? Oh, 2004. When, when did you start travelling? I started traveling. My first away game was 1976. Right. Uh, that was in Wembley. I see. And uh, I was telling somebody there about it. Uh, I went over for a week because the flight was cheaper to go for a week. Yeah. But I never factored in the fact that they stay in a hotel for a week. <laughs> God. <laughs> Which made it doubly expensive. So I, I learned from that. What, from that. What's your route? I, I know that over the years you've done some strange things. You've taken camper vans and uh, yeah. cars. What, what's your route now, said to get to the first match? You uh, find directly in or what? It's handy enough. We're going to Dublin, Dubai, and Dubai to Sydney. I see. And then we fly, after four days, we fly to Perth. I see. For the second game against uh, Canada, who are the Olympic champions. Yes. And then we fly back up to Brisbane. So it's kind of, say, in, in terms of Ireland, we're going to Dublin. We're then going back down to Tralee. <laughs> and, then, and then we're going back up to Dundalk. You know, just... <laughs> Only slightly, <laughs> slightly longer distances, Jim. <laughs> yeah. And is it just the pool? I know you. You'll stay if, you, you'll stay if they get out of that pool. Will they get out, do you think? Um... It would be hard going because Australia, the you know the home team, yeah. uh, Nigeria, the African champions, and Canada are the Olympic champions. But as I've been telling people, we went to Germany in '88 with no great expectations, and look what happened. You know, yeah. yeah. That was a, an amazing odyssey after that. I was a little bit disappointed by the result against the French the other night, but, but it was a, a learning experience, a tough learning experience for, for, for the girls it's, as they prepare for the, for the big Yes, time. but what you have to remember is that the French are, and they were, they were a big team, they were a good team. They are fifth in the world, so we're 22nd in the world. Mm. So, you know, there's a slight gap, but, you know, they're filling it, in yeah. fairness. Oh, no, that, that, it's fantastic to see them there. I'm going to be on holidays during the, the, the tournament, but I'm going to find a place to watch the matches for sure because well, I'm looking and, forward and, to it. Yeah, and we, we'll be the same in, in Australia. We'll be trying to find places to watch the holding final and the football final. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. In the middle of the night. Yeah, in the middle of the night. Yeah. What, of all the trips you've done, Jim, oh what's, what's, if, I could, if I could say to you, right, Jim, I'll send you back on one trip again, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Well, Iran was fascinating, but I don't know what I want. Would I... Would I be going there on a specialized trip? Iran? Uh, Iran, yeah. It was, a, it was fascinating in that, you know, it was just after 9-11, and um, it was a bit iffy. It was a we playoff to, match, wasn't it? For that was a, Yeah, that was a playoff match. Uh, 
and uh, in 2001 that was. Right. But uh, that probably would be an experience of a lifetime. Like I, I tell people about standing in the stadium with the 85,000 people and they're chanting the Koran and even now I'm just talking about the hair standing in the back of my head. <laughs> that is that oh. was amazing. You know, and there was, a, there was a hundred of us I think and, and in fairness there was seven Irish women came there and women had never been left into a match in Iran before that. Wasn't there a Cork man? Managed the Iranian team, Franco Farrell. Franco Farrell, the they, great Franco Farrell, band, the yeah. great Franco Farrell, yeah, um, from the Malbec, I believe. That's right. Yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew Frank. I knew Did Frank. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Meeting Frank many yeah. times. Yeah, he he managed the. The Iranian team, yes, Corkman yes, managed yes, Iran. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't. You weren't too pushed about Russia. You weren't too keen on Russia, no. No, Russia. Like I was there three or four or five times, and each time, uh, it, it, it was getting worse. Mm. You know, um, where, where it was a beautiful place, and I, I meet a lot of the people, the unfortunate people from there now, is uh, the Ukraine. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people. Fabulous you know? country as well. Yeah, fabulous country. Have you been there as well? I have, yeah, 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 for yeah. Edge, actually. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, um, I, and it, it bothers me now when I, I'm looking at say, the main street in Kiev, yes. and it's on the television, and you see, God, I walked up that street. That's and right. You and me both, Jim. They did exactly the same thing. Magnificent city, and it's been destroyed by that war. It's so sad to see. Oh well, yeah, but. Um, that's a side issue. Well, listen, <laughs> you know? safe travels, my friend. We might catch up while you're out there. I know you don't do smartphones. You're still carrying old Nokia Blockia. It'll still oh, be. I have, <laughs> I have that, and it's causing a lot of hassle because the ticket situation has gone yes. crazy. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, you have to set up an account. You have to have a smartphone. I don't have one. Uh, you have to have an account. If I get the tickets and you want the ticket from me, you have to set up an account. I have to send the ticket to you. If then you don't want it, you then have to send it back to me and I have to send it to some other agent. <laughs> Jim. Talk about life used to be so easy when we'd be trying to bothering people to just have your tickets, have your tickets, and you get late tickets, you know. <laughs> Paired. So it's a lot easier. Paper, paper tickets for so much. Listen, paper, oh, yeah. safe travels, and we might catch up en route either with me or with Gareth, who'll be here when I'm on my holidays. Jim, um, good luck. The, the Green Army's biggest super fan. 140-something trips around the world, including Iran, several trips to Russia, and now he's off to Australia to watch the girls in green. Have a good one, Jim. Spent over half a million euro. It's what he does. It's what he goes for. Kieran O'Shea is in Carrick Tool. All right, Kieran, tell me what this is. Kieran? Beer, beer bottles drop in. Beer kegs, indeed it is, sir. You yeah. are off to the Clayton for night's B&B and dinner uh, for two of you. Uh, to enjoy the shops and boutiques of Cork City. Thanks to our friends at the Clayton Hotel. Uh, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Cheers. Thank you. He, of course you'll bring the missus, won't you? I suppose we'll have to. She'll do the shopping. <laughs> you can just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'll look after that side of us. Good man. All right. You'll be in the good books for the rest of the week. Thank you. Kieran is back to there. That's in case you need him. All right. That's it. Busy Monday. All done and dusted. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did, and we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine.